Hey, parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. In and across the blue line, leaves it. Kale McCarr, winds, fires, SCORE! Now Rubido, top of the near circle, pass far side, wide open net. What a save made by Philip Grubauer. Just outstanding stuff. I am Groove. And oh. Zdorov smash! <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. What a bone-crushing hit by Nikita Zadorov. And Howard Luck has no idea what day it is, what time zone he's in, and he is slowly making his way towards the bench. Hello and welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, JJ Jerez. With me today, of course, is my man, Arif Dean. We've got lots to talk about, a lot of av stuff too. I mean, we've got Logan O'Connor, the NHL Awards. We're going to be looking into the Central Division um, a little bit here. But Arif, the finals just started. Game one was last night. We're recording on Sunday night here. Um... How are you feeling? What are your early thoughts about the uh, the uh, Stanley Cup final here? It went pretty much exactly how I expected it to, to go in the sense where I, I I don't know why. I felt that Dallas was going to go out and make a statement in game one. It was obvious, and they did it for two periods. And if you remember two rounds ago, if you are a hockey nerd like I am and, and watch as much hockey as I do outside of the Avalanche, you'll remember the Boston and Tampa Bay series. Boston came out in game one. Not that Boston is a big underdog against Tampa Bay. They had a better regular season. But they came out in game one. They had a great first period, a great second period. They took the lead into the third period. And in that third period, Boston outshot them by like a 5-1 to one margin, had like a 7-1 to one shot uh, attempt advantage over the Bruins and kind of set the tone for the rest of the series. The Bruins won. They took game one. Tampa Bay won the next four. Go back to game one yesterday, Dallas, Tampa Bay. Dallas set the tone in periods one and two, and they took control, and they took that three-to-one lead with that late goal at the end of the second period into the third period. Tampa Bay had 43-to-3 shot attempts over the Dallas Stars in the third and a 22-to-2 shot on goal advantage over the Stars. To me, that is setting the tone for the rest of the period or for the rest of the series. Are they going to win the next four? Who knows? But I feel that Tampa Bay just got their feet wet, and they are ready for game two. So you're still leaning Tampa Bay. Had you, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't suddenly say, oh, yeah, I saw this coming. I, I was taking the stars the whole time. Had I asked you um, before game one, you would, you would still say Tampa Bay, right? Yes, I would have still said Tampa Bay. Uh, what I like about the Lightning this year is they have your favorite phrase, mental fortitude. Game one does not bring them down like it used to in previous years. The Islanders coming back in a second overtime game does not bring them down. Having to play Columbus again does not bring them down. Going to five freaking overtimes does not bring them down this team is built to win granted it is one of those things where they might just end up losing on a basis of they are more banged up and hurt kind of like 
a team that we cover. But at the same time, I don't think it's getting to that point. If Stamkos comes back, that's a big, big, big addition to their lineup. Who knows if he'll be back in game two? Cooper kind of hinted at it as, you know, you'll have to wait and see. Uh, Sorelli's banged up. Braden Point is banged up. But I still feel like this team has it, and they're going to end up raising the cup, and Victor Hedman's going to raise the Conn Smythe. Yeah, definitely pull in for Tampa Bay for sure. I mean, they were my pick going into it, but they were my pick going into it for the last, what, four or five years now. But that's exactly why I think they're going to get it done. This is, I think, their last year. Their window's closed after this playoffs here, in my opinion, just because they've got a lot of cap space to worry about, a lot of free agents. I don't know if they're going to have the same strength of team moving forward. I wouldn't say their window is closing. I would say it's more or less kind of like the Washington Capitals when they had to get rid of Shad and Kirk, and then they ended up making a bunch of trades and getting rid of some guys, uh, and then finally winning the Cup the year after that when everybody finally said, hey, you know what? Let's not worry about the Capitals anywhere a- anymore. That's when the Capitals won the Cup. So they still have these guys like Sorelli and Point and Kucherov and Stamkos locked up. They still have Hedman, McDonough, Eric Cernak. Man, I love that dude big gigantic mean defenseman and uh, fun fact the way that they acquired Eric Cernak was by trading Ben Bishop to the LA Kings at that deadline a few years ago before he signed with Dallas and they got back our good friend Peter Budai and Eric Cernak in that trade with the Kings and it's just one of those underrated deals that Steve Eiserman made that um has set his has set this team forward so I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that their window is closing but they're not going to be as stacked as they are now or you know like the 2010 Blackhawks before they had to trade Ladd and Bufflin and Versteeg and so on more, and so more forth. of a reset than a rebuild right? exactly yeah so uh that's all the better for the Avalanche they don't have to face the overly stacked Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final at any given point uh they'll probably still beat them there at some point but we'll see what happens in the next few years yeah, time to move on to uh, Logan Connor. He's the Avalanche News of the Week. I told you every week they give us at least something to talk about. Well, that's what yeah. it is this week. He'll be around for another two more years. Looking at the salary, I believe it's, what, 700 k per year. Um, to, mm-hmm. to me, that looks more of an AHL salary. I feel like he's going to spend a lot more time with the Colorado Eagles. However, it seems like after a discussion with you that you've got – uh, you think otherwise. You think they've got some other plans for Logan O'Connor. Yeah, so what I think is going to happen is in year one, Logan O'Connor is going to be either your 13th or 14th forward, depending on how many the Avalanche carry. Uh, I think you know Patrick Wall loved to do the eight defensemen, 13 forward setup. Jared Bender likes to go two forwards that sit on the bench or sit in the, sit in the press box for games. So I can see Logan O'Connor being your 13th or 14th forward and one of the first two guys that jumps in for an injury replacement in 2020-21 but the following season year two of that contract i could see him being a number 12 guy making 700k because that's when you're going to have a new contract for Makar, which is who's going to see a massive raise landeskog who's going to see a partial late raise you know we'll talk about this later on in the summer but i don't see landeskog signing for more than six point maybe seven five which is only a one million raise on what he sees now on what he gets now um so logan o'connor might be that 12th forward that you can have on your offensive unit that's making league minimum. And you know teams need those kind of guys. When you have such a high-powered offense and so many guys at the top of the at, at, at the salary cap for your team taking up such a large portion of the money, you need guys like that at, at the bottom of the roster making 700K. Similar to Toronto having Jason Spezza making 700K. And we saw what Logan O'Connor did against the Dallas Stars. And to me, he looked like an NHLer. 
The reason why I'm pushing it into the 21-22 season is because this next year, before the expansion draft and the Avalanche look lose what could be a possible Zadorov or Graves or Donskoy or something like that, or maybe one of the goalies, and before they uh, you know, have to get rid of a couple of guys that are making a lot of money, this is the year for them to actually add guys and add somebody, like we've said, like a Taylor Hall for a one-year deal or whatever it may be. Um, so I think this season he's not going to be one of the top 12, but the following year he will be, and deservedly so. Right. I mean, he plays with a lot of tenacity. You love the speed and uh, just the skill he's got. I think we've said it before on this podcast that he's got a much higher ceiling than we've seen. But what I really like about him is is just his skill. You know, you don't want to get see him. Yeah, he's fast. He's tenacious on the forecheck, and that's with a fourth line, right? I think that's where you don't really want to see him, though. You see him up uh, as a fourth liner, suddenly going up against other bruising lines. When he gets just a little bit injured, he's gonna have a completely different game. We're gonna see night and day. So he's got to be completely healthy, and in my opinion, try to slot up into that third line even if he can just because he has a little bit more of offense to his game rather than being that grinded out bring the energy because he brings it he brings the energy he knows how to grind but I'd hate to see his skill squandered on a fourth line so I think that's where the abs are kind of in between a rock and a hard place it's either give him you know six five six minutes a night and not let him really reach his potential or you know throw him down in the AHL which is tough for him so if he could possibly just slide up to that third line or slide up into the depth chart which I'm with you might not even be till year two of this deal but that's where I think he's really going to blossom I agree and I can see him playing on that third line when when the avalanche possibly and I'm, I'm going to be beating this horse all year when they potentially lose Giannis Donskoy to the expansion draft to the Seattle Kraken that's still crazy I love that name Seattle Kraken uh, but when when they lose somebody like a Donskoy or maybe a Comfer likely they will protect Comfer and lose Donskoy. Uh, somebody like Logan O'Connor could jump up there. He'll be 25 at the time, getting ready for you know his third year in the NHL or fourth year with the Avalanche, so to speak. And uh, deservedly so. He's the kind of player that can play up there. He's the kind of player that can provide an offensive spark. And I just, we're going to be talking about this. We've already talked about it enough. I can't help but look at the 2020-21 Avalanche and think this is the year where they can spend money on their third line. This is a year where you can have JT Comfort making 3-7, uh, 3-7-5, and Donskoy making 3-9, and still go out and sign somebody like you know one of the many guys we've talked about, be it Wayne Simmons, be it trade for Josh Anderson. They can still go out, go out and get another guy and give him $3 million and have a 9 or $10 million third line they still are able to do that because Makar is still on an entry-level deal for for another season. And because of the flat cap, they're pretty much the only contender that can do this. So I think that's what's standing in the way of Logan O'Connor. It's the fact that as much as I would love to see him develop this year, I think he needs to be patient for another, not even another year. Who the hell am I kidding? The Avalanche are going to run into injuries. Taylor Hall is going to go out. McKinnon, Ranton, and Kadri. Someone's going to go down with an injury and he will step in. But that depth chart in the beginning of the season, before training camp, whenever the heck that is in December or January, um, at that point, you need Logan O'Connor to not be in the top 12 because this is the year that the Avalanche could go all in. Yeah, I get that point. What I'd like to see 
um, with the Avalanche's management of Logan O'Connor is, you know how Jared Bednar, he's he's pretty fair, in my opinion, to the guys in the AHL. When he's calling people up, it's kind of like he's got a rotation set. A couple games for Sheldon Drys, a couple games for Logan O'Connor. I'd like him to lean a little bit more heavy Logan O'Connor. So maybe give him 65% of the call-ups rather than keeping it fairly even and fairly simple. I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into it in Jared De- Bednar's decision-making than just keeping it fair, you know, who who they're matching up against the next couple games, who fits well, who's been playing well. But I'd like to see what Logan O'Connor, I'd like to see a lot more of what he's got than just the 16 games I think we've seen from him so far. Yeah, and I mean, from the guys that were getting the call-ups this year for the forwards, uh, you look at Logan O'Connor, you look at Sheldon Dries, you look at uh, TJ Tynan, for example, even Vladislav Kamenev, who, as we know, has now gone off to Russia and signed a year, a two-year deal there. Logan O'Connor was the only one from those from that group of four, from that foursome that actually looked like somebody that has an NHL career that is brewing and you know could eventually become a regular. I, I don't foresee those other guys doing so. Uh, Kamenev, it might take a few years before he comes back and maybe he blossoms into something because he had a lot of potential when the Avs acquired him. Uh, Sheldon Dries and TJ Tynan, not so much. So yeah, you want them to lean toward Logan O'Connor. And that's kind of when it gets a little bit risky. I believe year one of the deal is a two-way deal. Uh, And I think the Avalanche did that because their thought process is similar to the one that I have, where this year they could add a lot more depth. And uh, that's when you sort of get stuck in that spot where it's, do we keep Logan O'Connor up on the main roster and sit as the 13th, 14th forward, similar to Kamenev last year? Or do we put him in the AHL and let him play pretty much every game? And now there's an added stipulation to that and something else they have to think about. Is the American Hockey League even going to happen this year? And if so, how many games? And are players going to even be able to develop there? Or are you going to have to put them with the main roster? So there's a lot that's going to go into this. And uh, unfortunately for guys like Logan O'Connor and players like him on other teams, uh, a lot of guys are going to lose development this year because of that. Um, so Joe Sackick and Jared Bednar are going to have a lot of decisions to make. It's ultimately a low-risk, high-reward. You're giving this guy 700000 for two years. Um but as somebody that has watched him since his days at DU and, you know, he made that ballsy move of signing a contract in the NHL, knowing very well he's not going to have a roster spot and start in the in the American League while being named a captain at DU and leaving and foregoing that year to join the Avalanche and the Eagles. Uh, that's a ballsy move. And I respect him for doing that. And uh, I want to see him succeed, just me personally. But it is ultimately a low risk, high reward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just think... The NHL will definitely find a way to make the AHL happen. I mean, it's going to be tough, but I think they'll figure it out because if not, they're just screwed. I mean, look, at it's just because of guys like Logan O'Connor. You can't have him just sitting, only practicing him and, what, 12, 15 other guys just sitting around practicing all year long. They got to figure out a way to get some games in. But still, this is the year to start really developing him and getting him those NHL minutes is really going to see what he's made of. So again, I just like him to be the main call up, not necessarily calling for him to be on the uh, starting night roster, but I want to see a lot of Logan O'Connor this year. Uh, Moving on, it's time to get into uh, Elliot Friedman's comments. He always helps us build our off-season podcast. It's hard not to say summer podcast because it's just not the summer anymore, even though it's, yeah. it's supposed to be. But off-season podcast that we're building with Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts. Starting with simply the Avs are the team to watch going into the off-season here. They're going to be going all in. And they've got Makar 
and they've got Landeskog to think about um, coming up here, I, I think, at the end of next season. But until then, they are putting their chips on the table, or how Patty would say it, their balls on the table. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of what I've been hinting at this little this past little while conversation about Logan O'Connor is. Logan O'Connor is probably not going to find himself in the top 12 in 2020-21 because the abs are going to be all in. And Elliot Friedman has kind of echoed, and it's great to see an insider say this because Friedman is not the type of guy like other insiders where he likes to just you know throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. He's very much the kind of guy where when he says something, there's at least a little bit of truth or traction behind it. He'll say, oh, just spitballing. It would be cool if Tory Krug signed in Detroit. Not that he said that. But when he says something like that and he's spitballing this idea because it makes a lot of sense, it's because he's heard that at least Steve Eisenman and the Red Wings are interested in Tory Krug. He's a Detroit, he's a Michigan boy, et cetera, et cetera. It makes a lot of sense. They can give him a lot of money and a lot of ice time. So when he says the Avalanche are going all in, there's some truth to that. There's some rumblings that the Avalanche are probably going to be the team to watch. I can see Joe Sackett getting super creative this offseason, be it through trading, be it through free agency, be it through unloading some contracts. Uh, last summer, he unloaded Carl Soderberg. We kind of didn't really expect that to happen. But there's guys that are on you know one year left of their contracts this year, uh, most notably Ian Cole. What if he ends up getting traded? There's $4 million you're freeing up to go out and acquire another defenseman to change your D. Um there's a lot of options for Joe Sakic. He has the ability to get super creative. Uh, aside from just the obvious, let's go out and sign Taylor Hall and stack the top six. There's a lot of options for him. And I think the fact that Elliot Friedman has mentioned this has made it a little bit more clear that this is exactly the thought process Joe Sakic has. And this is something that the Avs have to look forward to around the draft, which is crazy enough in 16 days and free agency, which is in 19 days. So it's going to be an exciting three weeks. It's good to see that the Avalanche are still looking to keep that forward trajectory or that upward trajectory, right? They're not just saying, okay, we need a couple pieces here and there. They're being realistic and saying, we have to make some major changes and major additions if we want to get to where we need to be. We're still a bit off. And you can't help but be impressed with what they've done in the past few years. It's more impressive that this is a Kroenke team that's getting the okay to continue to be aggressive. And that's credit to the way he's managed the salary cap and managed, um, you know, all the numbers up until this point. He has that kind of flexibility, but it's great to see from the ownership as well get behind him and say, yes, continue this forward progress. We love what's going on. It's not just the goal to make the playoffs it's the goal to win it all and you know for a long time around here fans have been very critical of Kroenke ownership that they just want to make the playoffs well you could point directly to the avalanche now that that's just simply not the case anymore and it and this is a year where a lot of teams are going to have their own internal cap and it's understandable not a lot of teams are making money and you know whatever your side businesses are a lot of these guys are are millionaires and billionaire well billionaires because of their side hustles if you want to call them that aside from owning a sports franchise and you know for example the Arizona guy the reason why he was able to buy the coyotes and they finally gave them stable ownership is because he owns a bunch of casinos well guess what COVID has kind of put a damper on that. So now the Coyotes are back into another crappy situation because their owner is losing a lot of money in his casinos, something that even the NHL is like, come on, are you kidding me? Like we finally found someone. So when you're staying Kroenke and you have all this money, you can very well just take the easy way out and say, we're going to provide an internal cap and you guys are not going to spend this much. Bring the same team out, 
And it's a good team. It's not a bad team. Signed Nichushkin for 1.5. Signed Joes for 1.5. Gives Zadorov 4 million, whatever. Everybody a one-year deal. Bring the same team and let's let's run it back for another year. It's very easy to do that. Or you can say, ask Dan Kroenke, yes, I'm going to lose a lot of money on the Avalanche this year. Yes, I'm not going to make that ticket gate probably for the first half, if not more of the season. But you know what? We still have the ability of being the only team that can put our balls on the table, put our chips on the table, spend that money up front and win a Stanley Cup and the financial ramifications that come from winning a cup, even for someone like Dallas or, to, or Tampa Bay this year, excuse me, uh, the financial ramifications of winning a cup are are vast. It, you make a lot of money off of it. You make a lot of sales off of it and you grow an entire new generation of fans. It's a worthwhile investment and it's something that Kroenke saying, you know what, let's lose a bunch of money. Let's Let's go all in. Let's put all the chips on the table and let's let it ride for one season, win that cup, and you know end up making a lot of money it's a it's a risky gamble because winning the cup is not that easy as we've seen but i'm here for it and i and i love that stan Kroenke's giving them that green light if you can get better why not right but i think again the credit here goes to them being realistic to the fact because it, it could be just as easy to say oh they were three minutes away and then they would have gone on to probably beat Vegas just like Dallas did because they were about to beat Dallas, right? That that kind of faulty thought process that, oh, well, if Dallas beat Vegas, the Avs probably would, and they'd be up one nothing on Tampa Bay right now too. It'd be really easy to kind of lean on that theory and be like, oh, they were this close. We don't need to make that many adjustments. So again, credit to them being realistic and still seeing, yeah, there's a lot of improvement to be made, and there's a lot of opportunity out there this offseason. Why not go tackle it while we can? Strike while the iron's hot. And, you know, if if just because of COVID doesn't mean um, you need to halt your team's progress. So, again, just credit to the management there on that on that thought process. You know what I what I have to say about Kroenke and the Avalanche? I know they've been a garbage team for a little over a decade now, and that might be a little harsh, but it's just the reality. For the last 15 years, since that 2004-05 lockout, the Avalanche haven't really been much of a contender. They have sucked for a majority of these years. But if you're Stan Kroenke and you're Josh Kroenke, who's the actual president, all you're used to when when it comes to winning, the way that you're used to winning is by being an ultimate powerhouse. You're not the 2020 Dallas Stars itching and clawing for a Stanley Cup. You're not the 2019 St. Louis Blues itching and clawing for a cup. You're not the 1996 Florida Panthers trying to fight your way to a Stanley Cup. You're the team that goes out and trades for Rob Blake and Ray Bork and Theo Fleury and brings in Patrick Waugh and signs Korea Solana. You're the team that says, we're a good team. Let's go out and make some moves to be an even better team to make sure that we dominate this damn season, get the number one seed and win the cup. So this is kind of the thought process right now. They're not going to just kind of do it. Let's maybe, no, they want to say we are a great team right now. Well, let's go be an even better team. And I like that he's got that approach uh, because this is a year where the stars are, are aligning. And if there's any positivity from this pandemic, which there isn't, and I hate that I'm even saying this, it's the fact that the flat cap has led a lot of teams to have to unload salary while the Avalanche are in a position where for one season, they can go all in. And even after that, they'll be in a good position, kind of like how we just said Tampa Bay is going to unload some guys and do a little reset, but still be a good team. That'll be the avalanche in a couple of years. But for one season, they can go all the way in. I like your point that you made a little bit ago about the type of revenue that just making the finals generates for an organization. And, you know, as, as much as we're being very positive towards the cronky sports Enterprise and Josh Kroenke and Stan Kroenke. Just something I never thought I would do. Right, 
right? We still need to remember what drives them, and that's dollar signs, right? So if they're yes. in a position to, like you said, go to that Stanley Cup final and make that revenue while other teams are hurting for money, other teams are going to be hurting for salary cap and thus hurting on the on-ice product, why not just take advantage of that and go all in, like you're saying, and make that extra money. If it's dollar signs at the end, then why not go for it now when you actually have that ability while other teams are going to just be figuring out how to feel the team? You have well, you have a great opportunity right now if you're the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, and look at the other contenders. Tampa Bay is going to have to trade one of Kaloran Johnson or Palat, maybe two of those guys. Um, Boston's going to lose Tory Krug. St. Louis, we'll get into this, might lose their captain and leader in Petrangelo. Uh, all of these contenders, Toronto, that's that's a different story. That's, God, how things have went south there over the last three years, uh, ultimately because of this pandemic. So all of these top teams at the top of the standings, Dallas, yes, they're good, but I, I, I don't buy that this team is going to be a contender for the next five years, not with this core. Um, all of these top teams are slowly losing guys. Pittsburgh is doing that thing that Detroit was doing right before they finally, like, you know, went from being a contender in a 25-year-in-a-row playoff team to somebody that can barely win 20 games in a season where they're just making all these crazy moves and trading first-round draft picks for Kasperi Kapanen. And Washington's on their third coach since winning the Stanley Cup or second coach since winning the Stanley Cup. So... All of the contenders are are stuck in a position where they are going to be on a downswing of some sort, whether it's a strong, whether it's a big downswing or, 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 or a small downswing. The Avalanche have the opportunity to not only say the team we have now is good and we lost because of injuries, which is a valid argument. But on top of that, they have the ability to say, let's go out and do this and do that and do this and come in next year and give Tampa Bay a run for their money for that 62 win season a couple years ago. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's kind of, it seems like a situation where if there wasn't a salary cap, this is where some teams would really get separated. There'd be a giant gap between the rich and the poor here yep. in the NHL. Luckily, that's not the way it's it's set up, but this would be an opportunity for the Avalanche to really become one of the one percenters, I guess, to, to draw comparisons to real society. But moving on, there's a, a note, another note. Two of his thoughts this, this week, I guess, were... Uh, directed towards the Colorado Avalanche, and that's the fact that they have kicked the tires on defenseman Nick Jarmelson, currently with the Arizona Coyotes. So I wanted to get into a little bit of that. Um, you know, I, I think, like you said, there's some – where there's smoke, there's fire when it comes to Elliot Friedman, but we know that Joe Sackick's reaching out to all teams, all players, looking at all possibilities. But this one actually made news. So let's talk about this one. Who do you think – they are having in mind to replace if they do bring in a guy like Nick Jarmelson. Who does that suddenly take out of the lineup and deem somebody, I guess, no longer valuable for the Avalanche? Look no further than the third pair, Ian Cole and Nikita Zadorov. I've I've been on this train all year or all year since February, which seems like seven thousand years light years ago. Um, I don't believe that Nikita Zadorov is going to be an Avalanche come opening night in December and or January of 2021. Uh, the Avalanche are probably going to trade him. They're not going to re-sign him. If they do re-sign him, it's going to be a one-year deal to say, stick around for one more year. Let's win a cup with you. But I just don't see him come sticking around for longer than, or I just don't see him being on the team by opening night of the next season. Uh, on top of that, Ian Cole having one more year on his deal 
Nicholas Jalmerson having one more year on his deal. That seems like a lateral move where you're going from one Stanley Cup champion to another Stanley Cup champion who can provide more. I love Ian Cole. He is an awesome dude. He's a good player. And he's just a fun guy to, for the Avalanche to have in the locker room. But when you have an opportunity to bring in someone like a Chalmerson, uh, you can't really say no to it. Yes, he's 33 years old. And yes, he only played 27 games last year because of injury. But he provides so much uh, so much depth to the blue line in terms of he plays the penalty. He's not going to give you a lot of scoring. And that's okay because you have McCarr and Gerrard. He's not going to give you a lot of scoring. But he provides so much how so much penalty killing defensive time and he's just one of those players that can really tie it all in he's the kind of guy and i'm kind of tripping over my words here that when eric johnson went down with his injury the avalanche looked at the third at their third pair and said ian cole nikita zadorov one of you step up and become a top four guy neither of them stepped up it was a mess uh connor timmons ended up playing with sam gerard for a couple games and then he went down so the, the Avalanche just didn't have a fourth guy they can rely on. Nicholas Jalmerson for one season at $5 million could be the guy that they can say when Eric Johnson gets hurt, Nicholas Jalmerson could step in and play with Sam Gerrard or with Kel McCart and be a top four guy and a very good one at that. So I'm all for that pickup and I think that that would be a great move. Uh, who is it going to cost? In my opinion, one of Ian Cole or Nikita Zadorov. In my opinion, just to add to that, I think both of those guys are going to be gone before next year. Yeah, well, as you kind of started going off there, um, you're going to have to sweeten the deal. I mean, whether it's Ian Cole or Nikita Zadorov, it's not going to be a one-for-one trade because, as you said, it's obvious to everybody that neither of those guys were capable of filling the role that was asked of them. So if you're get, getting somebody better, you're going to have to, you know, sweeten the pile a little bit. What do you think they add in there to maybe— I don't, I don't think it's going to take that much, and I'll tell you why. Nicholas Chalmerson is going to make $5 million next year. Ian Cole is going to make $4 million. Chalmerson only played 27 games. Ian Cole played a lot more than that. He he did miss a few games, but he played in the 60s, well into the 60s. Uh, he played all the playoff games for the Avalanche. Obviously, Chalmerson played the 10 games for the Coyotes. Moral of the story, if it's Ian Cole that you're moving, that kind of a movement, Ian Cole is $1 million less than Chalmerson. Considering the fact that the that the Coyotes traded their first rounder for Taylor Hall and their second rounder has been given up in their little scandal of cheating and, and uh, testing prospects, they lost this year's second and next year's first. Well, they also don't have a third round draft pick this year. Do you remember what that third round draft pick ended up getting traded for? Carl Soderberg. So the Avalanche this year have the Coyotes third round draft pick. I think it's a very easy trade. You give up Ian Cole and give them back their third rounder and get Chalmerson in return. Who says no? They yeah. save a million dollars, they get their third rounder back. That's a great deal. I like that. You know, I think that's ex that's ex that answers my question perfectly because, again, you had to sweeten it up a little bit. You couldn't just go one for one there. So um, that being said, all right, let's just say hypothetically it is Ian Cole. Then you still have the Nikita Zadorov on your hands, right? I mean, it sounds like you're for sure thinking that he's going to be gone. He's got to be traded for something. What's somebody, someone that they can get back for Nikita Zadorov? I mean, how do they strengthen the roster to – when they're giving up so much size and, you know, just some intimidation in giving up a guy like Nikita Zadorov. So I'm going to have the same conversation about Bowen Byram that I just did about Logan O'Connor and even Alex Newhook because he's going back for another season at Wisconsin, uh, assuming the Big Ten plays hockey this year, which they probably will considering football's coming back. Hooray, go blue, we suck. Um, 
what the heck was I saying? Oh yeah, so Bo and Byram. I think in 2021, 22, after the expansion draft, after the Avs have Makar signed up for a bajillion dollars and, and Landis Cog's on his new deal, I think Byram will be a, a uh, full-time Av. Next year, I think, would be pushing it. So I think next year he's going to play another year uh, and, and develop his game. So that gives you one year of a stopgap before you bring in Bo and Byram. And uh, there's a nice little smirk on my face because I don't know why... I thought of this, but I was looking through the free agents and I came up with this idea of who the Avalanche could bring in for one year to play on that third pair because now you have Graves, you have Ian Cole, uh, sorry, not Ian Cole, you have Graves, you have Eric Johnson, and you have Chalmerson, and then you have Gerard, and you have Makar. Who could be the third offensive guy who's an unrestricted free agent who probably wanted a big deal but is not going to get it because he had a terrible season and COVID ruined the fact that he's not going to get a big deal? There is a defenseman out there that, well, he knows the avalanche a little bit and he might be willing to take a one-year deal to play on the third pair with Chalmerson to win a cup. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? I got a couple names running through my head, but I've trying to just say something to not leave silence i'm gonna go it's the with obvious one alex petrangelo no sir alex petrangelo petrangelo will not play on the third pair nor do i think that petrangelo is going to have to settle oh, for third yeah pair. nor do i think petrangelo is going to have to settle for a one-year deal i think petrangelo and tory krug the two defensemen at the top of the free agent market are still going to get those big contracts they're they're still good enough players where where somebody around the league will give them five to six to seven years at big money but there's a third guy who was expecting to be a part of that but did not have a good season after he was traded by the avalanche for nazim kadri and i'm talking about tyson berry well you know how he would definitely want to come back it's almost like every time he talks about the avalanche he starts to tear up a little bit tyson berry the question yes. is will he come back for cheap I, I don't see why Tyson Berry wouldn't take a one-year deal around the three to five, three five to five five range. I really don't I, I don't see why. He needs to revamp his career, if, if that makes sense. He needs to score a lot of points. And even though he probably won't get a lot of power play time compared to how much he was used on the power play in the past, he was the top unit guy, and now he'll be fighting for the second unit with Gerard, who last year had 34 points in 70 games. So he was operating at a 40-point clip. So Tyson Berry might not even be used on the power play. But when you join a team like the Avalanche, how many times have we looked at the statistics for the Avs this offseason or this playoff year, this postseason, and even in the regular season and said, man, Calvert was on pace for 40-something points. Man, Nichushkin was on pace for 35. And Comfort was on pace for 35. And in the playoffs, right now, McKinnon and, and uh, Rantanen are still in the top five scoring. When teams are good, Everybody produces offensively. Tampa's been doing it for years now. You got Kalorin and Johnson and Palat, guys playing on the third line, putting up 40 points. So if you're Tyson Berry, what better way to inflate your statistics than to join a team that could score four or five goals a game against the Dallas Stars where Vegas and Tampa can barely score a goal on them? Why not sign a one-year deal, win a cup, drive your value up, and then the following season, kick the can down the road for one year, sign your big deal then? I know it sounds crazy, but it's just a thought that I had in my mind. It's the kind of guy that the Avalanche could bring in. And again, this is assuming they have Chalmerson there with Eric Johnson, with Ryan Graves playing that defensive side, and then Makar, Gerard, and Barry playing the offensive side on the blue line and being that mobile guy that can bring the puck up the zone. Why not think about it? That's what off-season podcasts are, are made for, right? Um, this is the fun. This is this is peak Steve Dangle podcast right now, where it's just let's throw a player, let's convince our listeners that this is the right guy. Joe Sakic, 
not that he's listening to our podcast, would laugh probably if he heard this. Uh, it's probably not going to happen, but it's just one of those things that it, it's just one of like you can really start to put together reasons why it makes so much sense. He's kind of a polarizing player. He reminds me a lot of how people feel about Tyson Jose around here. I think a lot of people would love it if he comes back. A lot of people would ask what the hell's going on but you know I think he would definitely get a, a better offer from a team like Vancouver you know I think they're definitely um, blowing up his phone and then you're telling me right now Eric, you want to give up a 6-5 defenseman for a 5-10 defenseman how much do you think I hate that idea when you know how I think we need to get bigger we need to get some size we need to get mean and Tyson Berry has none of those qualities he absolutely does not and if you get rid of uh, Ian Cole for Chalmerson you're also kind of giving up somebody who's a little more physical for someone who's just a smarter defensive you know a, a typical Swedish defenseman like the Lidstroms and those guys that just plays a smarter game not that he's Nicholas Lidstrom but you know he doesn't hit kind of like Lidstrom I agree it is it is a tough pill to swallow, but I'm just I'm over the size thing when the size provides nothing but that size. Nikita Zadorov is until a, the playoffs. Until the playoffs, Nikita Zadorov is a big, scary defenseman, but he just that that size and that mean streak and that bullying nature that he has. Yeah, he knocked out Matthew Kachuk in the 2019 playoffs and threw him off his game at the start of game two, which you know helped the Avalanche win four straight games, but. It doesn't outweigh the negatives that he brings. It doesn't outweigh the boneheaded mistakes. It doesn't outweigh the the the, the turnovers and and the fact that he's on the ice for a lot of goals against in 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 tough situations. And yeah, he scored a few goals in the playoffs, but he kind of he lucks into goals. It's weird. I I don't know how to explain Zadorov other than that he's a big body. He's a big bully and. A lot of teams around the league love him because he's that guy, and that's why I think his value is a heck of a lot higher for other teams than he would be for the Avalanche. I think there are definitely better combinations of size and skill out there than Nikita Zadorov. So yes. it's not that I'm exactly. so in love with Zadorov that I think he needs to stay, but you need to find somebody who's big, a couple guys, I would say, who can couple it with some skill and some points. Because, uh, you know, I assigned us some off-air homework last podcast. Might as well do it again. I'd love to see, especially in the last 10 years or so, what the average size of Stanley Cup winning teams? Yeah. I bet it's definitely on the bigger side. Well, yeah, probably. But at the same time, when the Avalanche tried to go big, they went out and brought in Jan Hayda, Ryan Wilson, Ryan O'Byrne, and Shane O'Brien. Like it was just a, it was a mess. It was such a clusterfuck. Kyle Quincy was six foot two, and he was the smallest guy on that roster, and uh, none of it amounted to anything because they were bringing in size for the sake of size and that's the trap that i don't want the avalanche to fall into it's not necessarily the size that you have to bring in you want to bring in players that play with energy uh tyson berry is probably going to have a chip on his shoulder if he joined the avalanche not that he will chalmerson is going to have a chip on his shoulder like think about being nicholas chalmerson you're 33 years old you're going to go to a team that can bring you back to your days in Chicago, that can bring you back to that offensive spark. And you look at Kale McCarr and you're like, this guy looks like a 23-year-old Duncan Keith. This is fun. This is fun. I can play 22, 23 minutes a game on the second and third pair, kill a bunch of penalties, and let McCarr let loose. It's It just makes a lot of sense to bring in guys like that that are going to have chips on their shoulders. And let's look at Tampa Bay again. Blake Coleman, Barclay Goudreau. Barclay Goudreau fought Matt Martin in the last round. He had no business fighting Matt Martin. He is a small dude, but he plays with energy, and a, he's got a lot of fire to his game. And we talked about it in the Dallas series. Matt Calvert was out, and look what it did to the Avs. Those are the guys you want to bring in. Not necessarily the big size guys, but guys that know how to play 
with energy and passion and fire. I'm with that 100%. You got to not only know how to give a beating, but also can take a beating, right? You got to be able to, to post yourself up in front of the net and do it with, with a big bag of knuckles, like I like to say. Yeah, and uh, I just don't think Zadorov provides that, and I think the Avalanche are in a position. I mean, we've beat this. We've talked about this a lot. They they haven't given him a contract for a reason. He's an RFA. He's going to look for a raise on his 3.250, and Joe Sackick's just not going to give him one. So... I don't see him being a part of this team, whether they replace him with a Tyson Berry or not. I just don't see him being on this team opening night. Well, as we said, we're recording here on a Sunday. A lot of football being played. I hope you're getting your DraftKings action. I know Kansas City just tied it for me. I need them on a money line to hit a big parlay, and I'm cashing out big on DraftKings. But there's still more time to get in on this week. I mean, we still got Monday night football tomorrow, and there's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement, DraftKings is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, Head to the app right now because you don't want to miss this one. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users their chance to win $1, to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. It's not too late. You can place $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash out a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the app now to scout their latest offers. Bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, a sportsbook that goes wherever you go. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And use promo code MHS when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week two. Probably going to stick to Monday Night Football at this point. But bet $1 on them and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use the promo code MHS during sign-up. Only for a limited time. So go there today. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for one of those deals from DraftKings where you can bet a dollar to win a bunch of money on one of the main Broncos guys getting injured. (laughs) Uh, Because at this rate, with Von Miller out and with Drew Locke out, I know Jerry Judy had to get looked at after taking a big hit. At this rate, Michael Hutchinson is going to start at quarterback for the next week. (laughs) I tweeted that out funny ha 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 uh but that's kind of where the broncos are going right now so hook us up DraftKings. we'd love to make some money in the misery that is broncos football right now you got to be a lions fan though right see i'd rather pick on the broncos right now because picking on the lions has become old and you know i just i've been doing it for 20 years so i'm just i'm over it they suck they just got rocked by the packers and aaron Rodgers, as they have for the last decade or so so not too happy about it let's move on not looking much brighter for the Broncos. At least but. they want a Super Bowl or a playoff game or anything. Yeah, I guess. That was a while ago. What have you done for me lately? And that's why we talk about the Avalanche because that's a team that actually has hope and you know, a team we actually enjoy talking about doesn't bring us down. And But look, look how many injuries are going on across Denver right now. It stings. Let's hope the Nuggets stay healthy for tonight. But time to talk a little bit. We brought him up uh, on the last segment a bit, and that's Alex Petrangelo. Really seems like the bell of the ball right now. He's really the talk of the hockey world. Looks like he's headed to free agent status. Um, not going to find a deal there with St. Louis. Um, 
Is he an option for Colorado, you think? How would he look on this team? Where would he fit, if at all? So I think I told you this last week. Maybe it was you that I was talking to about this. But the Puck Soup podcast with Greg Wyshynski and Ryan Lambert and those guys have been beating the drum for the last three months that the Avalanche should give Taylor Hall and Petrangelo each a one-year deal and just say, let's go uh, NBA-style uh, stack the roster and go win a cup and make it easy. So it would be a cool thing to see. Uh, the only way that Petrangelo signs with the Avalanche, because it would have to be a multi-year deal, is if the Avalanche trade Eric Johnson. So if you find a way to get rid of EJ and you get rid of his $6 million, and you take Zadorov and you get rid of his three point two, that's $9.25. You replace that with eight, eight and a half, nine for Petrangelo and then literally anybody else making seven hundred k it doesn't matter you just added petrangelo to your top four so uh it's something they could look at but again it would cost you eric johnson one way or another that's the cap assuming that you're going to sign petrangelo to a long-term deal um but now i'm going into even bigger fairy tale mode where it's oh they're going to trade ian cole and bring in chalmerson they're going to trade zadora for whatever and bring in tayson berry oh and now they're going to get rid of eric johnson and use that money to bring in petrangelo suddenly you got petrangelo <laughs> chalmerson berry graves gerard and mccarl yeah that's exactly what's going to happen <laughs> we're all sitting here talking about taylor hall and joe sack is going to go revamp the blue line so um I don't know if Petrangelo is the kind of guy that would take a one-year deal. Taylor Hall is a lot more open to that, uh, just from what I've read and what I've heard about about the two players. And you know, Petrangelo's looking for security. Taylor Hall's just looking to win a goddamn playoff game. So they're in a different place in their careers. Uh, even Tyson Berry, he's looking for a chip on his shoulder. He might be more open to it than Petrangelo. Regardless, uh, whether. Alex Petrangelo will leave the Blues or not is still a topic of discussion. There's a lot of media covering stories about him and wanting to stay with St. Louis and being upset over the process. And this is all happening three weeks before free agency. And to me, it says Petrangelo is trying to put pressure on the Blues to give him the contract to keep him there. But when they signed uh, Justin Falk to that contract last year at 675 for six years or whatever the heck they gave him after trading for him, it ultimately was the... It was a slap in the face to their captain and a captain that is up for the Norris, I believe, this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Carlson Yossi. No, it's Carlson Yossi and, and Hedman. He has been up for the Norris in the past. Um, he's a great player. And if he leaves the Blues, I'm not going to complain because that only helps the Avalanche. And that's more why I wanted to get into this topic. Not so much does he fit with the Az because I think you answered it right. It'd be nice, but it doesn't seem realistic from either side. But it is nice to see the rest of the Central Division getting weaker. I mean, it's not just St. Louis. Um, you know, Minnesota's getting involved in some trades, getting rid of Jordan Stahl, Miko Koivu, just really shedding their Eric leadership. Stahl. Eric Stahl, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah anyway, just, just the, the Central Division. Let's take a look at that, look around there. I mean, it, it, it definitely looks like there's a lot of opportunity here for Colorado. Yeah, so we, we talked about St. Louis. They brought in Justin Falk and gave him 6-7-5, and he had a terrible season. He didn't crack 30 points in his first year with the Blues after that trade for uh, from Carolina for Joel Edmondson and Bach and I think a seventh-round draft pick or something. It doesn't matter. They locked him into a contract with the money that they could have used on their captain and the guy that actually gives a damn about them and won them a Stanley Cup and helped them win a cup. Uh, 
Then you have Nashville, who's got the whole Kyle Turris thing going on and Matt Duchesne and all those big contracts, and they had to unload P.K. Subban, and now Pecorine is getting old, and UC Soros wants to take over, and their defense kind of went from being this great blue line to suddenly they're struggling. And then you go, and you know, obviously Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson both took a step back this year. Then you go to Minnesota, and they Bill Guerin the other day, their GM, literally said, I made a trade just to make a trade. It was weird. It was one of the most fascinating comments I've ever seen where he said, I made a trade to, 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 to make a trade because I couldn't keep the roster the same. It's like, maybe let's not trade Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson and then take Johansson and say we're going to play him at center after losing Eric Stahl and Miko Koivu, and suddenly Marcus Johansson's going to be your first-line center. I I don't get it. He he didn't thrive in that center position in Washington or New Jersey or Buffalo. He plays better on the wing, and suddenly he's been traded for the only veteran centerman on your team that actually gives a damn. So I don't know what's happening there in Minnesota. Then you have the Winnipeg Jets, who obviously they went through what they went through last year with their blue line. They probably have to ride Hellebuck. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, we keep talking about them and how they're pretty much screwed for the next five years because of those draft picks that they lost uh, for cheating. Uh, for testing prospects and for the Taylor Hall trade and the Carl Soderberg trade. Ha ha. Um, well, the Coyotes are going to be part of the Avalanches division in, in 12 months because they joined the Central when Seattle joins the Pacific. So it just looks like everybody. And then obviously the last team is Dallas. And I, it's it's become, a, it's become a meme almost on Twitter. It's become a joke that like Dallas is in the final. We're like, yeah, yeah, enjoy your, you know, little cup run. You guys still kind of suck and probably shouldn't be there and probably won't be there for much longer uh this is their last kick at the can this is their only chance to win it they're an older team i don't think rupe hits and and yoel kiviranta and dennis Gurianov are gonna be sagan and ben and sagan and ben are barely sagan and ben right now granted ben has picked up his play but they're a lot older so you look at all these teams and then you look at the one in denver and everything we've talked about for the last 45 minutes and the fact that they have McKinnon locked up for three more years. And Makar is about to sign a long-term deal. This team is going to dominate this division for a very long time. And I don't know who or what is going to stop them. Yeah, a couple things that you that you kind of skipped over while going through all those teams. I think the Line A trade rumors is a big deal for Winnipeg. I mean, he yes, he's a huge yes, that's piece a of what they do over there. And, and the fact that they've kind of had issues with him, he really only had one big pop-off year. And ever since then... You know, there's the Fortnite rumors and there's just just problems with Fortnite Patrick Laine all over the place. And now he's looking to get out of town. So, you know, it's a mess over there. Dallas, yeah, what they're doing is, is cool right now. I don't know if it's really sustainable. And you got, can't forget about just playoff hangovers, in my opinion. When a team goes and wins a Stanley Cup, plus we know how much they love their beers there um, in Dallas. I think they're going to really go hard and maybe just not not be the same team next season once they're ready to go. You know, I think they're really going to feel that hangover because this is very physical um, playoffs. We can't forget how suddenly they went from not playing at all to playing at playoff intensity. So, um, you know, this this playoffs, I think, is really it's really taking a toll on a lot of players physically. So I don't I just don't see them bouncing back and being a strong team next year. They're still going to be OK. But let's not forget about Chicago. Chicago. Ooh, yes, they're young. They're 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 good, but I still think they're what two three years behind the Avalanche. So they're going to be a good team. They're going to be threatening. Um, you know, you'd you'd like to avoid them in any first round matchups, in my opinion, but not really a threat. Again, I think this is 
really a, a big op- opportunity for the Avalanche to take the Central Division for, for a couple years yeah. now. And Chicago, I mean, and even the Western Conference in general, Chicago to me looks like the, reminds me kind of of the 2013 through 2016 Avalanche where they made the playoffs one year. Um, in the sense where the Avalanche had O'Reilly and Duchesne and Landeskog, and then they drafted McKinnon, and then they had Tyson Berry on the blue line and Varlamov in net. So they had pieces. Yeah, that's a great comparison. They had exciting players there, but it never came together. Their defense always stunk. Granted, Duncan Keith is a lot better than, than Tyson Berry ever was. Um, but they, they had that excitement. They had the ability to go out there and play fun games like those Avalanche year, uh, teams did all those years. But it never amounted to anything. They were never really able to win. They were never really able to... They, they barely made the playoffs. And that was one year where it was everything. The, the PDO year, as we like to say, the Patrick Waugh PDO year. Um, it's it, it reminds me of that team a lot. So they're going to be a fun, exciting team to watch. But I just don't think they are going to be a playoff team or a threat to the Avalanche in any sense. And their timelines are, are kind of not going to match up, right? Right as these young guys are hitting their stride, that's going to be right as the... Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves domination era is going to be pretty much done. So it's tough for them. They might have to get rid of those one, at least one of those top two guys. Yeah, I could see Patrick Kane getting traded. I could see uh, not Jonathan Taves, but I think I could I could really truly see Patrick Kane getting traded over the next two years and probably to Buffalo because that's where he's from and Jack Eichel would want him and he'd want to go there and it would be really fun to see that. Uh, we're kind of jumping all over the league today, and I love it because I'm just a total hockey nerd for everything hockey, not just the Avalanche. Um, but I think they're going to have to come come to the to the conclusion that Patrick Kane probably would have to move on, and uh, that would be fun to watch. It it kind of you can draw some comparisons to the Eric Johnson situation. I remember when he last signed that big deal, and I was thinking like, yeah, he's here for a long time, but the Avs aren't going to be good until he's kind of too old i love that you said that i love that you said that that's the exact point i just made with uh one of my buddies i was talking about the other day we're spitballing avalanche ideas and i said eric johnson is his prime years whatever those prime years were i mean there was that one season in 2015 where eric johnson had 13 goals at one point i think it was like 35 games in he got named to the all-star game and he was leading the the defense the defenseman around the league in scoring he was two above brent burns and then he got injured and it went to hell from there. And that was the year after Patrick Waugh came in and turned him into a 40-point guy or 39 or whatever it was where he pretty much revamped his career with the Avalanche because before that he stunk in Denver. So, yeah, anyway, the point was that Eric Johnson's prime years were wasted on a terrible Avalanche team. And uh, this conversation came up because we were talking about the Red Wings and having Mantha and having Bertuzzi and having all these guys that by the time the Red Wings are good, they're going to be in their 30s and it's not going to matter anymore. So uh, that's kind of what's happening. And um, that's a really good comparison to make. Why, thank you. I'm glad you didn't spend all podcasts just correcting me. Yeah, no, you you say some nice things every once in a while. Hey. Come on, cut you some slack. I'm always good for... You, got, you have a rate... You have a radio show now with Ryan Balding. I don't. That's that means that you know what the hell you're talking about, doesn't it? Man, I, I did one show. I did I played one game. <laughs> it didn't get me anywhere yet. I didn't even score a goal. No, but uh I remember at the beginning of the last podcast you definitely said you were disappointed that the Vegas Golden Knights didn't play Michael Hutchinson and I didn't correct you, probably more so cuz I didn't catch it. But Always corrected me. Always corrected me, Arif. Arif, I wanted to move on next to the award show real quick before we get out of here. Um, not too deep into it. Just simply, you know, it's going to be a different award show. Do you plan on watching? Are you, are you kind of over these Zoom shows trying to 
put I'm, together what they used to be. I'm watching this strictly for the sole reason of I want to know what the hell the NHL has in store. I don't even know what is this just going to be one of those things where like somebody uh, James Duthie at TSN is standing on a platform somewhere and going, let's go ahead and zoom in Hughes, Kubalik and Makar. And there's going to be three big screens behind him. And he's going to like, I don't know how it's going to work. I am intrigued. Uh more than I am excited. And granted, also, there's going to be one, two, three, four, five awards up for grabs, and three of them involve either McCarr or McKinnon. So that's something to look forward to. Um, but I'm I'm very intrigued by what the NHL has in store for the COVID award show brought to you by Vegas. Not necessarily hosted in Vegas, but brought to you by Vegas. Interesting. I wonder if they're going to say, Nathan McKinnon wasn't here to accept his award, so we're going to accept it on his behalf for every single Award that they give out. I wonder if that's the route that knowing Nathan in. McKinnon, no matter what award he wins, he's probably not even gonna jump on the Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's get in real quick to the three major ones, the three that we're keeping an eye on, and that's the Calder, the Ted Lindsay, and the Hart Trophy. Starting with the Calder, what's your prediction? Hughes, Kubalik, or Kale McCarr? I think McCarr is gonna beat Hughes by just a smidge, and Kubalik will be far behind, or Kubalik, I don't know how his name is pronounced, honestly, but he had a hell of a season scoring 30-something goals. Um, I don't think it should be that close. I think Makar should be miles ahead of Hughes, but I hate to say it, Hughes plays in Vancouver, he plays in Canada, he's got that extra bit of voters that are going to vote him for that reason, but I still can't help but think Makar takes this. Right, and that's I think we touched on it when he was first nominated for it. I think that's why he has a good chance because he's got that name around yes. Canada. There's a lot of Canadians that love Kale McCarr as, just as well as they love Quinn Hughes. So um, I think it could go either way, but yeah, I don't think Kubalik has a chance there. And not, next to Ted Lindsay, that's between Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon, Artemi Panarin, and in my opinion, the only real one that matters because it's voted on by the players, whereas the Calder and the Hart are the... Uh, Pro Hockey Writers Association. Yeah, just us crummy journalists. <laughs> Ted Lindsay, um, I can't help but think Dreisaitl's going to win it just because players are going to kind of throw him a bone in the sense where he put up a heck of a lot of points, oftentimes with McDavid out of the lineup or playing on a line with uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kaylor Yamamoto. Uh, so I can see Dreisaitl winning that one, but I look at the Ted Lindsay, and we're going to get into the heart in a second, and I can't help but think that McKinnon could very well sweep both these awards. See, I'm in the other boat. I think McKinnon definitely gets to Ted Lindsay. I think uh, we touched on it last week. I even said how he's finally gained that respect from his peers, and they are afraid of him now. Yeah. I think he definitely wins yeah, the Ted Lindsay. I think Drysaddle edges him out for the heart. Um, unfortunately, you know, I think the timing was a lot. If they were allowed to vote now, then I think McKinnon gets landslide. McKinnon would yeah. sweep. McKinnon would even win the friggin' Vezina at that point. <laughs> They'd give him that just for being McKinnon. Um, I agree with that. I also think that there is a factor of McKinnon. Again, Dreisaitl plays in Edmonton, and just like Hughes in Vancouver, there is a big contingency of voters that come from that region. But there's a lot of people that are really upset that McKinnon didn't win the 2018 Hart, and they might give him his for that reason. I, I might be blowing smoke out of my ass for thinking that, but I just... Put it this way, with the Ted Lindsay and the Hart, I could see McKinnon sweeping those awards and saying, yeah, he deserved it. And I can see Dreisaitl sweeping those awards and being like, yeah, that is what it is. It's They're hard to predict. They're a lot harder to predict to predict than the Calder. Again, I just put so much more emphasis on the Ted Lindsay. I think that one's worth way more than any of the other ones. So I'm just hoping 
McKinnon wins that. And I think McCarr deserves the call there. The heart, it's a toss-up. I'm not feeling too good about it, I think. But moving on, it's time to hit the end of our show. And this is going to be the first time in a while that we're going to hit you with all three of our fun little gimmicky segments here. Wait, you have something left to say? Before before you do that, yeah, before you do that, I just got one thing to say. James Norris, if John Carlson wins, I'm going to be really pissed. This is uh, Victor Hedman's trophy to win. Vezina, Connor Hellebuck. Let's I'm go. with that. I love the Hellebuck <laughs> choice, too. People who have been listening to me for a while know that about me. I've been saying that yep. since he was a rookie. Time to get to our Twitter fan highlight of the week where we pull out and just kind of talk about one great tweet that was sent to us from one of our listeners. And, Arif, that's your thing, so I'm going to let you take it away from here. At Atlas, A-T-L-A-S underscore H-A-H-M-L-T-N. So I'm guessing it's Atlas underscore Hamilton. We tweeted out a, well, last week when I tweeted out the podcast on Monday, uh, he responded to it because we talked about, we kind of uh, hinted at the, we teased the radio show that you and Ryan Boulding started yesterday. I believe it's called Hockey Talk. The Hockey Show. The Hockey Show. Close enough. Creative as we could get. Yeah, that sounds just as creative as Avalanche Talk, (laughs) our old name. (laughs) Uh, But the Hockey Show. So you guys started the Hockey Show last uh yesterday so saturday september 19 and you guys are going to continue it every saturday and i'm i can't say enough how happy i am to have ryan bolding back doing something with mile high sports um i know you know a lot more about him and have talked to him a lot more than i have but one day i just would love to sit with him with or without a microphone on and just pick his brain on those years working with the avalanche because i feel like he's got the type of stories that nerd Arif would just love to listen to Anyway, so, you know, we teased it last show that Ryan Bolding is going to be doing something related to Mile High Sports, not, you know, necessarily saying if he's going to be on this podcast or whatever it might be. And Atlas underscore Hamilton responded with Ryan Bolding, JJ, and Arif, the dream team. And Ryan, if you're listening, come on board. Let's get all three of us into one of these podcasts and let's give this guy the dream team. Yep, you're going to get a fan highlight from us if you're pumping our tires. I love it. Um, But yeah, it was a great radio show. Check it out if you haven't. We're definitely going to get it up online and stuff. I don't think we've figured that out yet. It was just one episode. But we had two guests on, Connor McGahee and Brian Ray. from. uh, He's a TV guy for for the Dallas Stars, just chatting um, the finals. But it was fun. It was a blast. It was definitely a different feel. You don't have as much time to go in-depth on a lot of things, but... Tune into the radio show. It's fun. Arif's definitely going to have a hand in it um, here and there. And it's, yeah, it's just meant to be fun. It's about having fun. So I hope you guys have as much fun listening to our nonsense as we do um, recording it. But that brings us to our social media moment of the week. Speaking of nonsense, and that goes to Miko Rantanen. That's for doing his little tennis juggling act right before his serve. it, It was great. I mean, it wasn't too challenging, but... Um, you know, I'm assuming it took him a couple takes because he even had to make sure that his knee juggling was on point. He had a, he threw in a couple chest bumps in there. Not exactly stuff you see from a hockey player uh, unless they're warming up for their game, right? Yeah, I keep buying time because I'm over here trying to pull up this video. Here it is. Um, and I, there's so much to break down. There's so much to unfold. Number one, he's wearing these spandex tight shorts uh, showing off his man buns that any man would love to have shout out Miko for those massive Yarmor Yager style man buns. Uh, 
his legs. Nice butt is what Aerith Pretty much. And he's got these massive quads. (laughs) This is a little bit uh, less hilarious to talk about, but his massive quads that, you know, I would dream of squatting with him one day just to see what kind of weight he can put up. I can put up 275. Give me your best shot, Miko. Uh, The headband. He's wearing a tennis headband with his hair sticking out like he's 14 years old and just joined his freshman tennis team. Uh, The soccer moves are great. He's from Europe. Uh, they love their soccer, and he's over here juggling a tennis ball better than I can juggle a soccer ball. The serve at the end was better than my first serve. You know this because you beat me. I hate you. We got a rematch. <laughs> and the fact that the caption for his entire post is just at Wimbledon with nothing else. This guy didn't even try to add any other words. Everything <laughs> about this is glorious. It looks like this is happening in Finland because I can see some uh, – some some words written at the on the roof and on these billboards that look to be written in, in in his native tongue, but gotta love it. It looks like he's using a Babylon racket. So like you, he is a cake eater. I settle with my seventy five dollar head racket. Everything about this video is glorious. Makes me want to play tennis, but at the same time, I just love to see this guy having fun because all season we were talking about him not having fun, and currently right now he is fourth place in NHL scoring leading it to the Stanley Cup final, game two, even though he hasn't played since the second round. He picked it up, he turned around his terrible season, and now he's having fun in Finland. So shout out Miko Rantanen. And that Rant. was my take on it too. He uh, is having fun. And even though the it sucked to watch what went on in game seven, life goes on. And you know I hope everybody else is out there having fun and enjoying life and not dwelling too hard on that, on that terrible loss. I doubt anybody's that into to the avalanche that they're just still depressed three weeks later but yeah you know if if he can move on so can we but and, that brings us and i'll correct finally, this i'll, I'll correct this before he's fifth place in playoff scoring 21 points behind haskinen point mckinnon and kucherov so two Ooh, of the top five so look at that two of the you're top so lucky i didn't know that yeah i i, I got I, I got myself before you can get me and it's so funny <laughs> and i'll say this one more time before we move on and close out this terribly long september 20th show the five top scorers in the playoffs involve three players playing in the Stanley Cup final, being one Kucherov, three Braden Point, and four Miro Haskinen, and two guys that haven't played since the second round, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. That's all I got to say about the Avalanche. They're scoring. Come on, Tyson Berry, join the club. You can score 50 points without even playing on the power play. Let's take it away from here, JJ. Hey, we're okay going long, right? Because shout out to the users on Reddit that said they are enjoying our podcast but wish they were longer. So here's your long... Even though we might be talking about God knows what, we're we're going longer for you. Miko Rantanen's butt. <laughs> that brings us to the Mile High Sports three stars of the week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Star number three. Obviously, I'm I'm having to reach for these ones, but star number three, I'm giving to Anton Kudobin. I just think, of course, we've given him a lot of credit, but we've also tried to make a lot of excuses as to why he's doing pretty well. Let's just flat out recognize real when real is going on he's playing some good hockey and he's helping his team do do what they're doing right now without his play I don't think they are anywhere close to where they are he's made some spectacular saves not the prettiest but he's making them he's getting them done so shout out to Anton Kudobin what I love about Kudobin is he took their catchphrase and he ran with it uh, you know, the St. Louis Blues were all about Gloria last year, and Dallas kind of created this catchphrase this year of, we're not going home. 
And that's kind of been their catchphrase, all playoffs. And it's obviously because it's bubble year, it's COVID year. And it's one of those things that you're going to remember, just like Gloria with the Blues in 20, 30, 40 years, you'll always remember the 2019 Blues being play Gloria. You're always going to remember the 2020 Dousters, assuming they can win the cup, which hopefully doesn't happen for the good of this sport and this league and my sanity. Uh, you're always going to remember the we're not going home, whereas Kudobin put it after that game set, a game five victory over the Vegas Golden Knights, we're not going home. <laughs> Full Russian. I love it. Uh, shout out Kudobin. He's got absolutely the worst style of play. Very Dominic Hasek like, but it's working. He's winning games, and uh, we got to credit. We got to give credit where it's due. Uh, he let in 700 goals a game against the Avalanche, but the Avalanche let in 701 goals a game against the Dallas Stars. Uh, but he has shut down Vegas and through one game, the Lightning. Uh, he deserves a heck of a lot of credit. Yeah, people have a hard time giving credit to an athlete who looks like he could slam. Uh, more donuts in a He in literally a looks like the guy I yeah, like he looks like the guy that was at the counter before me at Dunkin' Donuts today ordering a dozen to go home and, you know, get prepare for the Broncos game. Like it's it's great. Star number two, we're going to Logan O'Connor. It's gotta feel good to know what you're gonna be doing for the next two years after, you know, a little bit of uncertainty, especially in a time like this. So Good for him. I'm excited to see what he brings. Hopefully the next two years are very telling about what he actually brings to the table and we see closer to his ceiling and just the progress continues to grow forward. Yeah. Shout out Logan O'Connor. He he was a bright spot against the Dallas Stars. He was he played well. He was called upon obviously because of the many, many, many injuries that the forwards were suffering from, but he played great. And uh that was the kind of three or four game stretch that could turn somebody's career into a legitimate career and something that sticks for a decade or so. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him just like I said, because he made the ballsy move of leaving DU. He's a, he's a full blown Colorado guy playing at DU and now for the avalanche. So shout out Logan O'Connor star number one. It's five 23 it right now on Sunday. We've got seven minutes Till the Nuggets game. I'm going oh, to the Denver yes. Nuggets game two. I hope they can at least make a little bit of a, a fight out of this Western Conference final. But I'm all aboard the Nuggets train because after the Nuggets, like you said at the top, of, or I guess at the DraftKings read, all that we got left around here are the Rockies, who are terrible, and the, the Broncos, who are terrible. So all we have left are the Nuggets until whenever the hell the avalanche season starts. So let's go Denver Nuggets. You get star number one from me on this Sunday night just ahead of your game two. The fact that they came back in a game seven from a 3 1 series deficit to win game seven twice in the same playoff year is the kind of stuff that you would expect to happen in the NHL, not the NBA. The fact that they did it not just against the Utah Jazz, but against the LA Clippers that have clutch freaking Kawhi Leonard on their team makes it even more impressive. And uh, you know what? The Denver Nuggets, like the Avalanche, are a breath of fresh air. There's something that is uh, probably going to be a good team for the next decade or so. And uh, shout out to one of my buddies uh, in Detroit, Weiss, who every single time the Dallas Stars win, he'll send me a text and be like, Dallas, man. And the other day I told him I'm quitting the NHL. That's it. I'm covering the Nuggets next year. I'm done with this Dallas Stars. I'm done with it. I'm going to join the Nuggets bandwagon because they deserve it. And uh, the NHL makes no sense because the Dallas Stars are in the Stanley Cup final. But back to the Nuggets. I love what they're doing. It's a lot of fun. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the Lakers, but shout out Jamal Murray, my fellow Canadian. Uh, this team is fun, and they deserve star number one. Absolutely, for sure. 
Avs games, you and I have to get all dressed up and sit in the press box and be professional, hang out there till 12 at night and, and, and do us, right? But at Nuggets games, I get to unleash. I get to watch the game. I get to participate with their announcer who says, yeah, and I get to slam some beers. So Nuggets have and a special I'm place I'm watching you right now. Yes, you're wearing a Denver Nuggets Nike hoodie right behind you. Take a little peek. Let me take a little peek. Carmelo Anthony signed Denver Nuggets light blue blueberry jersey hung up on your wall in a frame. Uh, I love it. I'm whole, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for the Nuggets bandwagon, and I, I can't wait for this game. I hope they give the Lakers a run. <laughs> that being said, I guess that's a good place to stop. Let's go watch this game, and uh, we'll catch you later on this week following the award show. Sounds great to me. We're gonna we're gonna see what happens with the award show tomorrow. Like you said, Tuesday we will be back to discuss the two awards that McKinnon won and the one that McCarr won. Other than that, follow us on Twitter at runwriterof at JJ of the Year. Hockey is for everyone, and we out you. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.